This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good nerve Shabbos. This is a very busy time. Actually, for a Rav, it's not pretty busy. This is the most, the busiest day of the year. Erev Shabbos Shuvah. And I'll tell you the truth, I did not officially agree to come here until we confirmed it yesterday. But I didn't want to give up the zchus to speak about a topic. I'll tell you the truth, I never spoke about before. We don't really know so much about it. It's like a world, it's a realm that we're very distant from. I've never really given a sheer about it. And over the last week, I sort of felt I was going to have to do this. So in the back burner, I'm thinking, okay, what do I know about the Avaidah? I would like to share with you four seminal, fundamental insights on the Avaidah that are a game changer, that really could change our lives. The first thing we need to know is there's a principle, Unashalma Farim Sfaseinu. Which means, when we read the parsha of Karbanos, it's like we're makrev Karbanos. Now I'm going to tell you a halacha, and ask your own paisek, ask your own rav. I recently came across, Nashim make berchas every morning. You all make berchas And there's a big question, are women chayiv to learn? They're not technically obligated like a man is, but the paiskim say... There's one chilek in Torah that women are obligated in, and this was a surprise to me. Women are chayiv in the parashiyos of karbanos. And therefore, many poets can say that if a man did not make berchas Torah, a woman could be moitzi a man in berchas Torah, because women have to say karbanos. I said, what? Women have to say karbanos? I never heard of women saying karbanos. So I looked in the Mishnah Bura, in the Be'er Halacha. Be'er Halacha says, women must say karbanos. I said, really? So I looked in the Shulchan Acharav. He says, yeah, women have to say karbanos, at least the parashas hatamid. So I never heard that before. So I looked around, Rabbi Yashiv Paskins, women must say the parashas hatamid every day. And I asked Paiskim, they said yes. And a week ago, my wife and daughter started to say the parashas hatamid. I didn't see any way, I'm not telling you what to do. But I'm just saying this is not, this is something we're all in it together. Every member of Klal Yisrael is connected to the Karbanais. So I want to speak about four aspects of the Karbanais. Number one, Kain Gadol goes in, he goes into the Holy of Holies, the Kadesh HaKadoshim, and he does this very unusual ritual. He sprinkles the blood of the Karban, Achas Lemala Vishevelamata, once up and seven down. Right? You know, if you're in Shul on Yom Kippur, there's like a whole ceremony. We do again and again and again and again. Achas, achas, viachas, achas, ushnayim, achas, ushalosh, achas, viarba, achas, vechomesh, achas, vashesh, achas, vasheva. We do it again and again and again. We count. Now, most of us know how to count already. Why are we counting in the shul on Yom Kippur? This is the avoida of the Kohen God on Yom Kippur. He sprinkles the blood once up. Seven down. What's the meaning of that? Why only once up? Why seven times down? And why every time he sprinkles down, he says one, 
One, one, and one, one, and two, one, and three. What's this all about? We spend a good chunk of the day going through this on Yom Kippur. What are we doing? Did you know that the Ramah, the Ramah is the codifier of Halacha for B'nai Ashkenaz in the Shulchan Aruch. The Ramah wrote a sefer on the Avoida Alpi Kabbalah. It's called Tairas Ha'ilah. The Ramah in Tairas Ha'ilah says something out of this world. Says the Ramah, we have a Yetzer Toiv and a Yetzer Hara. How many names does the Yetzer Toiv have? He only has one name. Yetzer Toiv. That's it, you know? Pretty creative. Whoever thought of that name? The Kare Shemai Yetzer Toiv. But the Yetzer Hara has a whole host of names. Anybody know how many names the Yetzer Hara has? Very good. Seven names. The Gemara in Sukkah says. HaKadosh Baruch Hu calls him Ra, evil. Moshe calls him Arel. David calls him Tameh. Shloimai calls him enemy, Soinei. Yeshaya called him Michshal, a stumbling block. Yechezkel calls him Evan, stone. Yoel calls him Tzifaini. Why does the Yetzirah need seven names? Why would somebody need seven names? The Mepharshim explained the seven names of the Yetzirah correspond to the seven tactics of the Yetzirah. You can imagine, the Yetzirah uses seven tactics. Sometimes he wants us to be lazy and not to do a mitzvah. Sometimes he wants us to be energetic when it comes to doing an Avera. Sometimes he's going to make us angry. Sometimes he's going to make us jealous. There are seven main tactics of the Yetzirah. The problem is, the Yetzirah Toiv only has one name. So on Yom HaKippurim, what we're saying is, we have seven things pulling us down, but only one thing pulling us up. The Yetzar Toiv pulls us up. Achas Lamala. The Yetzar Hara pulls us down. Vesheva Lamata. By the way, Achas Lamala Vesheva Lamata. Rashi Tevois Elol. That's something to think about during Elol. That we have a lot of things we need to overcome. We only have one thing pulling us up. However, every time we go down, we say, Achas Viachas, Achas Ushtayim, Achas Vishalosh. The Yetzer Toiv, which is, by the way, the Seichel, the Neshama, is so powerful that if you're in tune with it and you're focused on it, it's strong enough to overcome every dimension of Yetzer Hara. So this is the message of the Achas Lamala V'Sheva Lamata. Don't get overwhelmed by the Yetzer Hara. Yes, He's coming at us from all angles. He's coming at us from behind, from in front, from the right, from the left. But through the Yetzer Toiv, through the Neshama, we can overcome the Yetzer Hara. This is one thing we could think about during the Avoida, the procedure of sprinkling the blood. Achas lamala v'sheva lamata. I want to focus now on one of the most unusual Avoidas that has done the entire year, and it's done on Yom Kippur. It's probably... The queerest, most enigmatic avoida that is ever done. And actually it's the most important avoida of the year. And that is the Sawyer Lazazel. You know a little bit about the Sawyer Lazazel? You take two goats. You can't really tell one from the other. One of them is going to be brought as a carbon chatas. One of them, you are going to take it, we're going to bring it out to the desert, we're going to throw it off the cliff, it's going to fall down such a rocky cliff, 
its limbs are going to fly apart. Of these two karbanais, which one is more effective? The one that's shechted in the Beis Hamikdash or the one that's thrown off the cliff? It's the one that's thrown off the cliff. Do you know how effective that carbon is? Normally, a carbon only works on an Avera B'Shoigig. B'Shoigig means, you forgot it was Shabbos, so you turned on the light. If the person did not Avera B'Shoigig, if the Beis Hamikdash was standing, you'd have to bring a carbon. By the way, even today, if somebody forgot it was Shabbos, great tzaddikim would open up a notebook, would record, okay, I forgot it was Shabbos, I turned on the light, when the Beis HaMikdash is built, I owe a carbon chatas. But if someone chas v'sham did navera b'mezid intentionally, karbonos do not work. But there's one carbon that does work even for mezid. The soyer lazazel. You take the goat, you hurl it off the cliff, and all Averos are forgiven, even B'mezid. You know that? It works on Mezid. It's amazing carbon. Furthermore, the Rambam says, what if a person doesn't Avera, brings a carbon, and doesn't do tshuva? Carbon doesn't do anything. The soil lazazel, even if you don't do tshuva, it's effective. Wait a second. Who shechs the carbon lazazel? Does anybody come and take the knife and shecht it and receive the blood in a basin and sprinkle it? No! You just throw it off the cliff! So it's such an unusual carbon. There's no shechita. There's no Kabbalah Saddam. There's no zurika. And yet it's mechaper for mezid. And it's mechaper without shuva on Yom Kippur. It's a very mysterious carbon. If you look in the Medrash, in the Yalkut Shemoni, the Medrash says as follows. Here's the secret. The Sa'ir, who's called Sa'ir in Chumash? Esav is called the Sa'ir. The Sa'ir La'azazel symbolizes Esav. Listen carefully to the Pasuk. V'nasa es avoy noisam. V'nasa es avoy noisam. The word avoy noisam is a compound word. It could be read avoy noisam. Tam. Who's the Ishtam? Yaakov Avinu. Ooh. Somehow this Sa'ir represents Esav. And if we get Esav out of our life, then we don't even have to do tshuva. Then all of our veros are forgiven. Says the Medrash, what the Medrash is teaching us, is that Klal Yisrael, without influence from Esav, without the Esav in our lives, we would be perfect. Klal Yisrael in the Midbar for 40 years almost did not do even one sin. Because without the influence of Esav, we're Am Levadad Yishkain, we're nearly perfect. Almost all the Averois we do are the influence of Esav. Why would anybody have a challenge in any area of Kedusha? It's not just the Yitzhahara. It's because we see things and we're exposed to things and we're connected to a world. We're connected to ideals that are antithetical to the Torah. But if a Jew would be on a desert island, if a Jew would be on an oasis without constantly seeing, listening, being exposed to, hearing about the ideals of Esav, we wouldn't even have to do tshuva. We wouldn't sin in the first place. 
So we take the Sa'ir Lazazal and we throw it off the cliff and we say, It's really not our fault, it's Esav's fault. And HaKadosh Baruch says, You're right. When you take the Esav out of your life, you don't even have to really do tshuva. That itself removes the cause for sin. And I was thinking about this. I think we could all safely say that we probably have a so'er la'azazel in our lives. I think all of us could say, you know, there is an influence of Esau in our life that if I would throw it off the cliff, and I'm not, I'm not uh, condoning any extreme measures, but I'm saying figuratively, there was probably in all of our lives something that we're better off without. And if we would limit our exposure to it, if we would stay away from it, if we would say, you know, I don't really need that this year. I don't need that anymore. I don't need to listen to that anymore. I don't need to watch that anymore. I don't need to have that anymore. That's literally the soyer hamishtaleach in our lives. And that's greater than shuva. That's more powerful than shuva. And it's more effective than shuva. Because it's not that we're regretting the sin. We're saying, we don't even want in our lives that which brought us to that state in the first place. I want to share with you a very deep idea. I haven't said this over, maybe in 10 years. I've only said it once in my life. And I've been thinking about it this morning. I, I think I have to say it in Shul, the night of Kol Nidre. This is very deep. Okay? But Be'ezus Hashem... We're going to understand this very clearly. It's, it's a life-changing concept. What exactly is this goat? Who are we giving the goat to? Is somebody eating the goat? Or we're just throwing it off the cliff? The Ibn Ezra writes very cryptically that if you want to understand the Sarla Azazel, when you get to 33, you'll understand it. Very mysterious. What does that mean when you get to 33? When you get to 33rd Street, when you turn 33 years old, you understand it? So the, actually the Satmar Rebbe interprets it that when you reach Lag Ba'omer, which is the day of understanding Kabbalah, you can understand the Sar La'azaza. But then he makes one of the most brilliant points I've ever uh, come across. Why do we blow the Shaifran Rosh Hashanah twice? Do you remember the reason? It's to confuse the Satan. Right? I'm sure you learned the first time the Satan says, Is that Mashiach? And then the second time he hears the Shoifer, he says, Oh no, it's Mashiach! I'm going to be out of a job! And he runs away. Sorry to use the expression. Is the Satan a fool? He thinks it's Mashiach? Do you think it's Mashiach? Did you ever go to Shul and say, Oh, huh, that's Mashiach! What would you say if somebody in the Shul got confused and thought he was Mashiach? You'd say the guy lost it. So why does the Satan fall for this? Is the Satan a fool? Doesn't he remember last year was a Mashiach? And the year before was a Mashiach? And a hundred years ago was a Mashiach? And a thousand years ago? And two thousand years? It was never a Mashiach? So why is he so foolish? And this gift that we're giving the Satan, by the way, the Pirkei Durbelezer says, the Soer Lazozel is a gift for, to the Satan. It's a gift to the Satan. And when we give him the gift, listen to this, Perkei Rebbe Lezer says, not only does the Satan back off, 
not only does he, doesn't he prosecute us on Yom Kippur, he's our advocate and defender on Yom Kippur. He says, Rebunisham, look at what a wonderful people you have. They don't have any machloikis on Yom Kippur, like the angels, they don't eat like the malachim, they stand all day like the malachim. Why? Because we gave him a goat? So he was fooled? But he, doesn't he know from last year that the goat wasn't that good? Doesn't he, know, he remember from two years ago that this goat wasn't such a great present? Why does the Satan seem to have these moments in his life where we make him look pretty silly? Isn't he very sharp? Isn't he very smart? Says the Samarebbe, a brilliant insight. You know why we're able to make the Satan look foolish? Because Ribanisham runs this world, Mida Kenegan Mida. And every single day of our lives, the Satan makes us look so foolish. He says, Do this Avera, it will be good for you. What do you mean it will be good for me? I tried it yesterday and I felt lousy about it. I tried it the day before, I didn't feel good about it then. I tried it. The Satan says, okay, your mother asked you to do this. Well, you know, I had a hard day. Maybe uh, let her do it herself. Yeah, but you know, when you said that three days ago, you, you knew that wasn't the right thing to do. You didn't feel good about it. Why are you doing the same thing again? You know, you're better off doing the right thing. But again and again and again and again, the Satan gives us bribes. And he says, this Avera will be sweet. This Avera will be enjoyable. This Avera will be make you feel good. What do you mean? It never ever made me feel good. I always felt lousy every time you fooled me. But that's the operating principle of the Satan. He's always able to fool us. And because he's always able to fool us, you're able to fool him back every single year. There's a principle, you could always give someone a taste of their own medicine. Let me give you a good example. This is my favorite example. And just, um, I want you to know that this is the most powerful technique in counteracting the Satan. Let's say the Satan wants you to do an Avera. I'll give you an example. The Satan wants you to get mad at somebody. You know, they did this to me, they said that to me. I want to I get angry at them. Never tell the Satan no. Did you know that? Never say no. It doesn't even work. It's too, it's too great of a confrontation. The only way to counteract the satan is you tell him, okay, you're right, I'll get angry tomorrow. Next time. This time I'm not going to get angry. This time I'm going to let it slide. This time, uh, this time I'll do the right thing, but next time satan, boy am I going to do the avera. That is the single greatest weapon against the satan. Not no, tomorrow. And it usually works. And if you want to know, why does that usually work? This is the principle of giving the satan a taste of his own medicine. Because most of the time, when we hear inspirational words, that we should do something, we should try something new, do we say to ourselves, No, nah, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. No, the satan says that's such a great idea. But don't start today. Start next week. Or better, start when you're a fresh, start next year, you're a, soft, a sophomore, start when you're, I don't even remember the grades anymore, sorry, when I'm in 11th grade, when I'm in 12th grade, I'll start when I go to seminary, I'll start later in life, 
The Satta never tells a person no. He always says tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And we always fall for it. So therefore we give him a taste of his own medicine and we say to him, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. The reason why sometimes you can make the Satan look foolish is because he always makes us look foolish. Says the Satmar Rebbe, the concept of Soyal Azazel is we're saying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you see how naive the Satan is. He just accepted this gift, this bribe, even though we did it last year, and the year before, and the year before. Rebunisham, you know why he's falling for it? It's only because we're naive, and we always fall for his tricks. And it's a way of highlighting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, sometimes how weak we are against the Satan. And it's a great limit zuchus for Klal Yisrael. It's a way of emphasizing to Hashem, Hashem, look how powerful the Satan is. If he's falling for this every year, it's because we always fall for him. I want to share with you one last insight. It's the holiest day of the year. It's Yom HaKippurim. And we're standing there with two goats. One on the right, one on the left. One is going to be brought as a carbon in the base Hamikdash, and one is going to be thrown off a cliff. How do we determine which one is going to be thrown off a cliff and which one is going to be brought as a carbon? Anybody know? It's a raffle. It's a raffle. Are you kidding me? This is Yom Kippur. Now we're playing bingo. Having, we're having a raffle. We're having a goyro. It's the holiest day of the year. It's bingo night. We're making a go, we're making a raffle. So the kind of that takes his hat, he puts tickets in the hat. Okay, this one's Hashem, this one's Azazel. Doesn't that sound like an absurd way to determine the fate of the most important carbonist of the whole year? I want to share with you another very deep idea. This is, this raffle is literally the greatest chus for Klal Yisrael on Yom HaKippurim. When we have a raffle, how, do we, how is a raffle determined? How is the winner of the raffle determined? Is it, well, the person making the raffle, they choose between the two people and they like this one better because of reason A, reason B, reason C. A raffle is a fixed reality of the world. It's not a matter of choice. It's not a matter of want. It's not a matter of reasoning. It's not logical. A raffle is not logical. It just is. So I once said to my son, Naftali, Naftali, he's a Zizkari. I said, Naftali, you know why daddy loves you? He says, why? Because I just do. He says, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. A father doesn't love a child. Oh, I love the child because... The child does A, or he does well, or... That's not why a parent loves a child. A parent's love for a child is natural. It's innate. We are HaKadosh Baruch Hu's raffle. Ki chilek Hashem Amoy, we read the Shabbos. We're His raffle. If you look in Targum Yonasim and Uziel, in the beginning of the world, there were 70 nations, and there were 70 tickets, and the Rebbe Shalom chose Klal Yisrael, not because of 
Hashem didn't choose us because we're tzaddikim. If He did, then what would be if we're not tzaddikim? Hashem doesn't choose us because we do mitzvahs. Hashem just loves us. Just. Not because of anything. Because we're His children. How are we going to highlight to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the most important day of the year? Rebani Shalom, remember, you don't love us because we're tzaddikim. That's not why you loved us. If Rebani Shalom loved us because we're tzaddikim, we would, we would be in hot water on Yom Kippur. We need to remind Hashem, He just loves us. So you say, Rebani Shalom, we're making a raffle. This is, this is from the Sefer B'nai Yisachar in the name of the Shulchan Aruch HaRav. We're making a raffle. And when we do things downstairs here in this world, it arouses a similar phenomenon in the upper worlds. And then the Rebunshim remembers, oh, a raffle. I also have a raffle. You know who my winner is? Ki Hashem Amoy. And when the Satan comes and says, well, you're going to have Rachmanus on these people, but they're not Sadiqim, Hashem says, quiet. I don't love them because I just love them. That's the power of the Sar Lazazel. It is Ma'oirer in Shamayim, the inherent love HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for Klal Yisrael. So just to recap, we spoke about Achas Lamala Vesheva Lamata. Seven forces of Yetzirah pulling us down. Yetzirah Toiv pulling us up. That's the Avoida of the Paroiches, sprinkling the blood on the Paroiches. Number two, we said the Sar Lazazel represents Esav. He's able to be mechaper, avoy noisam, avoy tam. By ridding ourselves of the influence of Esav, it could be mechaper for us even without shuva. Number three, the satan, he's so gullible, he's so naive, year after year after year. Why? Because that's what he does to us. It's important to be aware of it. How naive he makes us sometimes. And how we could throw it back on him. And how this reminds Hashem sometimes how weak we could be. And finally, number four, the, the raffle of the Sawyer La Azazel is a powerful reminder to Shamayim that the Rebbe Hashem doesn't love us because of, He just loves us. And I realize coming here, count the Psukim in this week's parsha, the parsha of Yom HaKippurim, 52 Psukim. Gematria Ben, that's the message of Yom Kippur. What does Rabbi Akiva say? Amar Rabbi Akiva, Ashrechem Yisrael, Lefnei mi atem mitaharem, umi mitaher eschem, avichem shabashamayim. And when it's before avichem shabashamayim, it's very reassuring because the Yibbam Shem loves us just because. I wish everyone a Gemar Chasimatayva, a good Gabenshiar. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.